you, the one in whom all glory and honor is due. Yahuwah, my El and King, I pray that you accept for me this day my offering in Yahushua's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we're continuing on with our discipleship training. And we're going to enter into the world of scripture as always. Um, in this via poem, it says, Welcome to my world. A place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, and when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. When trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here swords are likened to the word, the demons are burned, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead, blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, the later be found that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place. Than yeah, some world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen. For the real cockadash is about to begin Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so we're continuing on with the story of Yosef, you know, about his life and how he represents the body, the Yahshua, as well as the body of Yahshua. And so, like, last year we went over, I mean, last year, last week, we went over, uh, the seven years of plenty that was promised to come. And so this week we're going to speak to the seven years of famine, you know, that is promised to come. You know, and so, yeah, there's a famine coming. And we're going to need to be ready. And it's just uh, so wondrous to me how Yah has us studying two different books at the same time and they're talking about the same time period and the same things, you know, essentially. And it's, it's just, at, you know, it's still just, it doesn't cease to blow my mind, you know. Uh, but let's get into this seven years of famine, what happens with Yosef and his story concerning this time. Now, this is uh, known as the famine Stella. Hmm. It's an inscription written in um, hieroglyphs hmm. uh, located on the Sahel Island in the Nile near Aswan in, in Mitzrayim. Hmm. It speaks of a seven-year period of drought, that seven-year famine. You know, during the reign of the third dynasty, King Dejozer, it is thought that the stella was um, inscribed during the Homeric hmm. uh, dynasty, which ruled in 332 through 31 BC, you know, uh, but I think it's, you know, more than a coincidence that scripture speaks about Mizraim having a seven-year famine, and a great seven-year famine, it was so great that they inscribed it in stone so that it would never be forgotten, amen? Amen. Some people say that's just a coincidence. No. I would say it's just yeah. Right. You know. All right, we're gonna start off today in Genesis 41. Uh, Genesis 41 and uh, through 40, chapter 41, verses 41 through 45. My first reader, please. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, "See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt." And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen 
and put a gold chain about his neck. Revelation 2? Uh, Genesis 41, Genesis, okay, Genesis 41-43. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnath-Paneah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the high priest of An. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Hmm. Hallelujah. All right, so this is, all, of course, all about Joseph coming into power, rising into power. So he's been in prison. You know, he's been taken out of prison. He's being exalted at this point, you know, even to the ruler of our Mizraim next to no one um, but Pharaoh himself. You know, and of course, Pharaoh name means his great house. So the spiritual picture in here is significant. You know, Pharaoh, whose name means the great house. And see, I have set thee over all the land of Mizraim. You know, and so we know Mizraim speaks to the word, the letter of the word, right? And so here it is, we see that the great house who was over all the word. Now, we know that Mizraim, spiritually speaking, is Jerusalem. So we have a picture of the great house of Jerusalem that's over all the world. You know, and from there it's very, very clear to see that it's talking about the temple of Elohim, which was the great house of Jerusalem, and the priests who were over all Amen. the world. Amen. Amen. I pray that you guys can put that together by now. You know, um, you know, but this is what we're speaking of, you know, spiritually um, speaking, this is the picture that's being painted, you know, and so Pharaoh takes off his ring from his hand and he puts it on Yosef's hand. Now, Yosef represents the body of Messiah, right? right? So you can see here a picture of the priest that was, or the great house, taking a back seat. And the, the power and authority being given unto the body of Yahshua. Oh, yes. Can you see that? Yeah. Yes. You know, hence it says he took his ring, that was, would be the signet ring from his hand, that was his authority, you know, and put it on Yosef's hand and arrayed him in vestures of linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Now, these vestures of linen, we know scripturally speaking, speaks to the righteousness of the saints. In Revelation 19, 8, it says, and to her was granted she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And so here it is, we see this picture of Yosef, the body of Yahshua, being depicted, you know, in white linen, the very garb that the bride of Yahshua would be wearing. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, beautiful picture. You know, now verse 43 went on to say, you know, that he made him ruler over all the land of Misraim. And then we get down to verse 45 because the great house renames Yosef. Yosef's name means let him add. And Yosef's name, just so, so you know, and just for future reference, you know, Yosef's name is a prophecy in and of itself. You know, that, do you guys realize that? Have anybody recognize that? Anybody picked up on that? Like, 
Joseph's name is actually a prophecy. You know, when, when Rachel was giving birth to Joseph, she prophesied that she would have another child. She said, you know, I'm going to call him Joseph because to him, Yah will add. He's going to add to her another child. And the prophecy came true because he did add to her another child, yeah. which was Joseph's brother. Amen? Amen. You know, so I just want you to recognize that, at least be cognizant of it, you know, because, you know, it's, it's some stuff that's in that, you know. But for now, he made him ruler over all the land. And so the great house changes Yosef's name. So it changes the um, body of Yahshua's name to Zafnaf Pioneer. okay? So Zafnaf Pioneer means savior of the age. Mm. So now we see the body of Yahshua being depicted as the savior of an age. Mm. You know, and that's the Egyptian translation. Mm. But the Hebraic translation speaks to a revealer of secrets. You know, and so here it is. We're seeing a depiction of the body of Yahshua being a savior of an age and at the same time a revealer of secrets. You know, so in other words, they're able to decipher the prophecies of Scripture, you know, which are the secrets of Scripture. You know, and we see Apostle Paul demonstrating that, you know, uh, speaking about the mysteries of Elohim. Amen? Amen. You know, now... So this is what Yosef's name was, and but he gave him a wife. He gave him a wife, you know, um, so he's to become one with Asenaf. Asenaf, her name means worshiper or belonging to Neith. Now Neith was the goddess of wisdom. So all we have here is a picture of the body of Yahshua, you know, becoming one with wisdom. You know, and it goes on to say she was the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. Now, she was the daughter of Potiphera. Potiphera means priest of the sun. Now, this is just simply a spiritual picture of the priesthood of Melchizedek, or the priest of the sun, or you could say the priest of the light. And we know who the light is. You know, Yahshua said he's the light, right? And he's also just so happens to be a priest. You know, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, right? Right. You know, so, and says that, gives her Potiphar, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Now, On was a city, and the name of this city was On, and On means city of the sun. Or you could say city of light. Oh, wow. You know, and so again, Yahshua is the light. This is the city of light, you know. And you can see a beautiful picture that all of this is connected to Yahshua, who was the light of the world, who was called the son of righteousness. Amen? Amen. You know, so I know <clears throat> it's a lot there. It's a lot to be deciphered out of that. It's a lot there, you know. 
but how wondrous and how beautiful to see that it's there. Hallelujah. Right? Hallelujah. You know, it's been there for hundreds and thousands of years. And people just read right past, they read right over it. They never they never um detract, you know, anything other than the face value of the words. You know, because they never get out of this rain. Say lot. Hmm. All right. We're going to continue on in Genesis 42. Let me have my next reader read Genesis 42, 1 through 9, please. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Mizraim, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard there is corn in Mizraim. Get you down thither, and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Yosef's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Mizraim. But Benjamin, Yosef's brother, Jacob, sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among them that came, for the family famine was in the land of Canaan. And Yosef was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Yosef's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Yosef saw his brethren, and he knew them. But he made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Yosef knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Yosef remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. Hallelujah. Okay, so, of course, now we're into the famine, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so this is the famine is is, is um is taking place, and it says now when Yaakov, you know, saw that there was corn in Mitzrayim, he said unto his sons, you know, go get us something to eat, <laughs> you know, pretty much, you know, and so there will always be corn in Mitzrayim, spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking, there will always be teachings and instructions mm. in the letter of the word. Mm. Amen? Amen? You can always find something to eat, i.e. something to do in the letter of the word. Mm. And so he sends his sons to go get some corn. Mm -hmm. You know, and he sends Joseph's ten brethren. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the number ten... <laughs> You know, speaks to the law and responsibility. So he sends his brethren that's that that goes in the law and responsibility of of scripture, if you would, you know, Torah. You know. He, he sends uh his brethren down to buy corn and Mitzrayim. You know, so he sends them sends them over into scripture to get some teachings and instructions and from it telling us his ten brethren they get Torah. You know, and they're ready to bring it back. You know, but Benjamin, he ain't sent, he did not send with him. You know, because last time he sent one of Rachel's kids, he ain't come back. You know, so and this is last one, so he figured, nah, I'm not sending him. Now it says that the famine was in the land of Canaan. You know, so this wasn't a famine that was just, just uh, uh. 
privy to Mizraim, it was it was throughout the land of Canaan as well. Now we know the land of Canaan represents what? The kingdom of Elohim. You know, so here it is. We we see that there's a there's a famine in Mizraim, but there's also a famine within the kingdom of Elohim, right? You know, and so like right now, there's a famine in the kingdom of Elohim. You know, because you know the people who are in the kingdom of Elohim or should be in the kingdom of Elohim or would be in the kingdom of Elohim, they don't have anything to eat. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, they don't understand what it is that they're supposed to be doing. In other words, mm -hmm. that's that's they don't they don't have the word of the understanding of the word of Elohim as to what it is they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, so that relates to spiritually that relates to a famine in the land of Canaan, a mm. famine in the kingdom of Elohim. And so they hear that there's corn, there's teachings and instructions in Mitzrayim. There's teachings and instructions in the word. So where do they go? They go to the word. Makes sense, right? All right? You know, so here it is. Yaakov sends his sons, the ten of them, those that's walking in the long responsibility of Elohim into the into Mitzrayim, into the word. Get the, get the bigger picture here. You know, sends them into the word, mm -hmm. you know, so that they can get some instructions because maybe they're like us and they realize like, oh, we're getting close to uh, something devastating happening. You know, this famine is going on. We don't know what to do. We don't what, know what Yah's will is for us, mm -hmm. you know, so we better find out. Amen. You know, and so it says in verse six that Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves before Yosef with their faces to the earth. And Yosef remembered the dreams which he dreamt of them. You know, anybody remember those dreams? You know, hence he, he tell them, ye are spies. You know, he started speaking harshly to them. You know, as he, he remembered the dreams that they laughed at him about, that they sold him into slavery about. Amen. You know, and but when we see dreams in scripture, we think what? Prophecy. Absolutely. You know, so he remembered those prophecies concerning uh, concerning them. And hence we should do likewise. We should remember the prophecies, you know, concerning Yah's people. Mm -hmm. You know. Now, these, these are the dreams that Yosef remembered he had. They're found in Genesis 37, 5-9. It says, And Yosef dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeyance to my sheep. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. You know, sounds like Yahshua, right? You know, verse 9, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeyance to me. You know, so these are the dreams that he had, and now here it is, his brethren was literally before him, bowing before him. Just like just like he had dreamed, right? You know, now take note that the dreams depict Yosef's reign extending 
from the earth to the heavens. Anybody pick up on that? Anybody pick up on that? Well, now that I mentioned it, you know, the sheaves speaks to the earth. The sun, the moon, and the star speaks to the heavens. So he's reigning in both dreams. So this is actually a depiction of him reigning in the earth and in the heavens. Can you see it now? You know, and if you can see that, then you should also be able to see that Yosef's second dream hasn't been fulfilled yet. Amen. Amen. His second dream hasn't been fulfilled yet, but it will be. It will be. It definitely will be. You know, say loud on that one. All right. Let's go back to Genesis uh, 42. Verses 10 and 11. They said unto him, Nay, my, my Lord, but to buy food are, we ser are thy servants come. We are all one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. Now, these four words, we are true men, is translated from one Hebrew word, is Ken or Cain in um, Hebrew number 3651. And it, it actually means so or therefore or thus. In other words, he said, we are all one man's sons, so thy servants are no spies. Or we are one man's sons, therefore thy servants are no spies. Or we are one man's sons, thus thy servants are no spies. The argument that Yosef's brethren are... Um, are making here is that they were all one man's sons and they couldn't so that way so they couldn't be spies they're just simply a family for if they were truly sent by another nation to spy out the land there would be representatives from various families of that nation and not just all one man's sons you follow me you know and as an example we have when Yah you know told Moshe to send send spies from the nation of Israel out Found in Numbers 13, 1 and 2, it says, And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So you see, a representative from each of the families of the nation were sent as spies into the land, and that's how it was customarily done. You know, it was customarily done um, because that way, so that everyone in the nation would have someone they trusted to tell them what they saw. Amen? Amen. And so this was this was their argument. You know, no way we're spies, man. Like we are all we're all the um the sons of one man. You know, and besides, like, you know, that's essentially a man's whole family. You know, he's not gonna risk his whole family to send them to go spy out the land. <laughs> you know? You know, maybe send one, you know, two at the most. But not sending his whole his whole family, yeah. you know. And they're like, no, we're all the sons of one man. We can't be spies. We're not spies, no. And so, this was their stance, and this was you know how they were you know presenting themselves, so that they wouldn't be perceived as spies, right? So, it continues, verses twelve through twenty. Let me have my next reader read Genesis forty-two twelve through twenty. <clears throat> He said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are the twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, 
This is that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. But the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison that your word may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he said, <coughs> and he put them all together into war three, three days. <coughs> and Joseph said unto them, the third day this do and live, for I fear Elohim. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye carry corn for the phantom of your of your house. But bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. Okay. Now this is real heavy right here. This is some real heavy stuff, you know, and I'm not really gonna concern myself with the ancient history aspect of it, you know, um, because this is like really, really a big deal, you know. Um, this is, I do believe that this is here for the people of the end times. You know, I believe this is here for the people of the end times. This is here um, for folks like us to understand. And this is a critical point that need to be understood because it's the difference betwixt life and death. Amen? Amen. You know, so let's consider verse 13 says, Thy servants are 12 brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. You know, now of course it's speaking about Israel. So here it is, we're talking about Israel. Um, the sons of one one man in the kingdom of Elohim. Right? You know, it says in verse 14, Yosef said unto them, you know, or the body of Yahshua is saying unto them, it's like I said, you're spies. You know, and so he goes on to say in verse 15, and this is this is the important part. He says, Hereby ye shall be proved. You know, now this is this is really profound, you know. And I was just um pondering this, you know, and, and you know, and it was just uh it just stuck out to me like this was happening before they actually came in the Mitzrayim, right? You know. But when they left out of Mizraim, y'all would do the same thing. He would prove it. You know, and so here it is, they're being proved in order to get the life-sustaining corn that they need. So in other words, if we are not proven, if we don't, if we're not proved, we won't get the life-sustaining corn that we need. 
those of us that's in the kingdom of Elohim, <coughs> that go to Mitzrayim, that goes to the word, to get the corn to sustain life, i.e. the bread of life. Say lie. We won't get it until we're proven. Everybody with me? This is, this is important. How are we how are we to be proven? Yosef says, You shall not go forth hence except your youngest brother come hither. He said in verse 16, Send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved. Whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. He says in verse 17, and he put him, put them all together into her three days. Three days. Mm. So now what we have here is a spiritual picture of all of Israel being in the word. Or in Mitzrayim, being in the word. But they're bound. They're in prison. You know, at least 10 other brothers. So it, it, it immediately brings to mind, you know, the 10 northern tribes. Mm -hmm. You know, even though Yahuda was one of the 10. You know. So, or you can look at it as they're bound by Torah. You know, because of the 10 of them. You know, um, in Mitzrayim. Mm -hmm. Either way, they're bound. They're in prison. They can't go anywhere. Right? For three days. We already talked about this three days, right? You know. And so we know the third day mark is coming up. Something significant happens on that third day. It says Joseph speaks to them on the third day. Why the third day? How come he couldn't have spoke on spoke to him on the second day? Or the first day. Or the fourth day. Why had it be the third day? Because Yah is trying to tell us something. The question is, are we hearing it? Are we getting it? He also said unto them the third day, this do and live. So, it's going down on the third day. We're going to have to, you know, crap or get up the pot. He said, this do and live, for I fear Elohim. If you really be a true man, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison, and the rest of you go on ahead and carry corn for the family of your house. But it's interesting, the one that he kept. I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, but he keeps one of them, and he sends the rest of them, go feed your family. You know, so he, he, he has a heart, right? Mm -hmm. But then he says in verse 20, But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. Mm -hmm. So what this is telling us is if we don't bring his youngest brother unto him, then we die. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Yeah. We're to be verified, we're to be proven, by bringing 
his youngest brother unto him. Everybody with me? This is huge. Because if we don't show up, if we don't go to Mitzrayim with his youngest brother, then we're not going to get the, the um, bread of life. You follow? We're not going to get the corn that has the life-sustaining properties that we need during this famine. We have to bring his youngest brother with us to Mitzrayim. Everybody with me? Mitzrayim represents the word. You know, the brethren represent those who are in the kingdom. I.e. us. We're supposed to be in the kingdom since we accepted Yahshua and entered into his covenant, right? If we don't bring his youngest brother into the word, then we die. Do you get that? Wow. So we need to get to the bottom of this. Let's take a look at how his youngest brother came into being because within it, it teaches us what we need to do. So this is this is speaking to the birth of Benjamin, which is Joseph's younger brother, which is the prophecy that was put on his name. This is the fulfillment of it. Let him add. And this is this was the addition, Benjamin, right? Or Ben Oni. So Verses 16 through 19 of Genesis 35. And they journeyed from Bethel. And there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor. That the midwife said unto her. Fear not. Thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was departing. For she died. And she called his name Ben-Oni. But his father called him Ben-Yamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's look behind the scenes. Let's open these containers up. So here it is. We see they're journeying from Bethel. Bethel means what? House of, House of Elohim. Right? Mm -hmm. All right. So they're, they're, going, they're, they're leaving church. Mm -hmm. Amen? The House of Elohim. You know, there was but a little to come to Ephrath. Ephrath. What does Ephrath mean? Yes, fruitful. It means fruitful. You know, so it was just a little for them to come to fruit, to being fruitful, to fruitfulness. Can you see that? And Rachel travailed. What does Rachel mean? Yes. A lamb, a little ewe lamb, a female lamb. She's a picture of the bride. Say a lot. You know, here it is. She travailed and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that her soul departed. Mm -hmm. For she died. And she called. The son that was being born, she called his name Ben-Oni, hmm. son of my sorrows. Yes. Hmm. Who else was called a son of sorrows or a man of sorrows? 
Who? I ain't hear it. Yahushua. Yahushua, absolutely. Uh, Isaiah 53. Yes, you know, now, here it is. Pastor, she called him Ben-Oni. His father called him Ben-Yamin. Mm. You know, son of my right hand. You know, who's the right hand of, of, of Yah? Yahushua. So we're talking about not Yahushua, but his son, Benyamin. Hmm. Son of the right hand. And it says, and Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephraim, which is Bethlehem. You know. Now, coincidentally, or not, this is the same place that Yahshua will be born. You know, same place Yahshua will be born, same place, you know, uh, Benjamin was born. Like father, like son. Can you see that? Yep. You know, but the important thing that I, I want you to see is that he's born, you know, in fruitfulness. You know, and, you know, so that's the important part that, that you have to grasp. Now, another thing is Benjamin is the only son of Israel that was born in the land of Canaan. Mm -hmm. Now, we know the land of Canaan represents the kingdom of Elohim, right? Yep. So we're talking about the only son out of the 12, the only one that was born in the kingdom of Elohim. Mm -hmm. Woo! That should ring a bell. That should raise a flag or two. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. You know... He was the only one to be born in the kingdom of Elohim. And according to scripture, he never left the kingdom of Elohim until he went to Mitzrayim. That was the first, his first time leaving. You know, so understand that. Understand that because, you know, here it is. We're supposed to be. You know, in the kingdom of Elohim. So Benjamin, he's the only son of Israel that was actually born in the kingdom of Elohim. Now, if you can see what's being depicted here in Genesis 35 is, you know, where you have to get Benjamin who was born, you know, in fruitfulness. If you don't become fruitful, you don't bear Benjamin. We're all called to be sheep, you know, um, even as our father was a sheep, Yahshua, right? Mm -hmm. Yahshua was a sheep. He was, he was the lamb of Elohim, and we're supposed to be as sheep following him, right? Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be as his bride, female sheep. Hello, Rachel. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. We're supposed to leave church, and we're supposed to come to Ephrath. We're supposed to come to fruitfulness. We're supposed to lead a church and we're supposed to become fruitful. Amen? We're supposed to become fruitful. And when we, when we get near the fruitfulness, the lamb in us dies. But Benjamin is born. Hallelujah. It's not going to be an easy labor. Hence it tells us she was in hard labor. The labor was so hard that it killed her. But she's 
She no longer, the, the female sheep, the you was no more. Only thing that was left of her was Benjamin, the son of the right hand. Can't you see that this is a picture of the church becoming the sons of Elohim? Where it speaks about in scripture that the whole earth travails and groans for the manifestations of the sons of Elohim. That's what this is a picture of. And even though it be the, the lamb's sorrow, he'll become the son of the right hand. This is the one that's spoken of in Revelation 12 where it speaks about him being caught up to the throne. When the woman gives birth, her son is caught up to the throne. Rachel dies. You know, but Benjamin remains. You know, and Rachel, but this is important because she don't just die anywhere. She's buried she dies and she's buried in the way. Yahshua is the way. She's died and she's buried in the way to Ephraim. In the way to fruitfulness. Which is Bethlehem. The house of bread. Which of course again speaks to Yahushua. Now you see why they say Yahushua is the center of scripture. You know, and if you really understand what Yosef is saying, what the body of Yahshua is saying right here, he's, he's basically saying, hey, I'm going to prove you. And the only way I'm going to prove you, you have to bring Benjamin. Mm -hmm. And if you bring Benjamin, if you bring Benjamin, I know that you got to go to fruitfulness to get him. Mm -hmm. And if you don't come back here with fruitfulness, you die. If you don't go into the word with fruitfulness, you die. The only way you can prove yourself is if you have fruitfulness with you. If you have Benjamin, and if you have Benjamin, you will have fruitfulness because he was born in it. Can you see that? You know, he says, by this, your word shall be verified. This is just another way of what Yahshua said. When he said, ye shall know them by their fruit. Mm -hmm. Who was he speaking to? His ecclesia, the body, his, his, um, his body, his ecclesia, his bride. You know, who does Yosef represent? He rep represents the body of Yahshua. You know, who's saying the same thing. I'm going to prove you by the fruit. By Benjamin, the one who's born in fruitfulness. His, Yahshua says in Matthew Yahoo 7, 15 through 20, he says, beware of false prophets. Mm -hmm. Which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of, th of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Mm. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Mm. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. This is the exact same thing. That Yosef was saying to his brethren way back when. Mm. Genesis 42, 37, and 38. So here it is. They had their orders. They got to bring Benjamin. 
They got to get into fruitfulness. They got to bring Benjamin back, right? So here it is. They go back home. They tell Yaakov, you know, uh, who is a depiction of the father, you know, telling them, okay, this is what we need to do. And so Reuben, this is important. Reuben spake unto his father, saying, slay my two sons if I bring them not to thee. Deliver him into my hands, speaking of Benjamin, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, my son shall not go down with you. For his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which he, ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. He had entrusted him, because he was the eldest son, with Yosef. And Yosef didn't come back. So he's like, no way, no way I'm sitting in with you. You can forget about it. You know, so some time goes goes by, and then Yahuda steps up to the plate. Mm -hmm. And so we find this in Genesis 43, 8 9. It says, And Yahuda said unto his unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. It's getting it's getting bad. They done ate up all the food. You know, all the corn that they brought back, they done ate it up, it's gone. The famine is strong, you know, and so now they need some more food, you know, so they have to go get some more. They got to go back to Mitzrayim. You got to get back in that word. You got to get those teachings and instructions. Otherwise, you're going to die anyway, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Yahuda says, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require it. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, let me bear the blame forever. Hmm. And so, their father said, we're going to jump down to verse 11, 11 through 14. Their father said, says then their father Israel said unto them, if it must be so now, do this. <laughs> now take, get this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels. Yes, he allows them to take them, but he says, take of the best fruits in, in the land in your vessels. See, because you can't go back to Mizraim without the fruits. You know, there's no need for them to really send any fruits, you know, when they're they're in a famine. There's no need for them to send any fruits, you know, because Mitzrayim is the ones with all the food. Yeah. Wow. So this is there for us. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessel and carry down the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh and nuts and almonds. And take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks. Carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go again unto the man. And Elohim Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother. And Benjamin, if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So he finally acquiesced and he sends forth. Benjamin, this is nothing more than a spiritual, a spiritual picture of the sons of Elohim manifesting themselves in Mitzrayim or outside of the kingdom of Elohim. So, like the land of Canaan represents the kingdom of Elohim, and the kingdom of Elohim is where it's inside of us. You know, and Benjamin, you know, per scripture, has never been outside of the kingdom of Elohim. In other words, he's never been in our physical realm. This is speaking about him 
entering into our physical realm. Mm -hmm. You know, I pray you can see that. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to come with the fruit, though. Without the fruit, without the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, those things, such things, are, where there is no law, as we read in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If we don't have these things, we might as well not go into Mitzrayim. We might as well not get into the Word because we're going to die. We have to bring the fruit. We have to be the one, bring the one that's born of the fruit, that's born in the fruitfulness. Benjamin. We have to take the fruit with us. You know, I pray you can see that. That's all I have for you today. Prayer was a blessing. Yeah.